0: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I'll
0: answer the question.
1: You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth!
3: You've heard about it, you've read about it, you've talked about it, and now you've found it. This is Alan Smith, Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig. Sit back and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now.
4: And hello everybody, good evening and welcome to Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Alan Smith along with Donna Smith. Today is still Saturday, November 14th, 2015 and we have a two-part show for you this evening. On the first segment of the show we'll be discussing Mike's Law. And the trucker's right to carry, and of course, Mike's Law is named after truck driver Michael Baiglin, who was shot and killed June 26th of 2014 in Detroit as he waited to load. And uh, Mike's Law, of course, is a uh, proposed bill which would allow those who work in interstate commerce to legally carry in all states, including the anti-gun states such as New York, California, Illinois, and New Jersey, and we'll discuss how Mike's Law is different than the NRA's proposed national uh, reciprocity legislations, and is the NRA supporting Mike's Law? We'll hear from that. Our guest, of course, is James Lamb of the Small Business and Transportation Coalition. He's the founder and chairman. He is the author of Mike's Law. And uh, again, the interstate commerce right to carry bill and is presently challenging the NRA to use the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution to get all Americans a right to carry firearms in every state. And Mr. Lamb is no stranger to trucker issues as he has been actively involved in advocating truckers' rights such as the sanctity of sleep, and filing a police misconduct complaint with the DOJ when driver Kenny Capel was woke up during his man- mandated uh, rest period. So um that will be the first segment. The second segment we will be explaining and discussing the denim amendment which crept into the House Transportation Bill, what it is, who introduced it and why and uh this is something truckers need to uh, wake up and be very aware of if if th- this uh, amendment going to compromise trucker wages and how they are paid we'll be discussing the denim amendment with our guest Ashish Desai of the Desai law firm out of the state of California he is an attorney and advocate and represents professional drivers and has been doing so for a quite a bit time. So Donna, it's going to be a pretty fast moving show here. So uh, I know
2: we've got a lot to cover, and I just peeked over your shoulder at the switchboard and I see it's loaded already. So it, it's
4: loaded, and uh, I haven't even uh, had a chance to. Uh, figure out where all the area codes are from, and I probably won't because it's, it's it's jam-packed already. It was jam-packed before we even went on the air, but hey, we appreciate you tuning in anyway. Uh, like I said, it'll be a pretty fast show. Uh, we'll try to get some callers in if we can. I can't, not for sure about that, but James Lamb of the Small Business Transportation discussing Mike's Law is first up right after this short break. We'll be back Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio. Hold on, and we'll get this thing rolling.
3: You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back.
4: All right, welcome back. The proposed bill, Mike's Law for Americans Working in Interstate Commerce, uh, protects and promotes the Second and 14th Amendment rights of Americans, again working in interstate commerce, allowing them to be able to carry firearms for self-protection nationwide. James Lamb, the author of Mike's Law, is our guest. So James, most of, uh, most of our audience knows about Mike's Law being named after uh, the trucker, Michael Baglin, but for those who don't, just give us a give us a quick rundown of that story, and then uh, we'll roll along here. Sure. Uh, well, hello
5: again, uh, Alan and Donna, and uh, thanks for having me back on the on the show. So um, everyone probably remembers, uh, you know, the unfortunate incident of uh, Jason Rivenberg uh, back uh, a few years ago, and of course, you know, Michael Baglin is uh, is the next in line, essentially, as a high profile. Uh, murder of a, tr- of a trucker in you know operating in interstate commerce, and you know one of the things that I've been telling a lot of folks is that this is these incidents or this particular Mike you know Mike Baglin incident, these are not isolated incidents, and in fact there have been 500 murders over the last decade of. Americans working in in transportation. So with respect to this particular law and this particular latest incident, Michael Baglin was an interstate trucker uh, who was operating um, as a, uh, from what I remember, an owner-operator, and he was going from his uh, home area of Ferdinand, Indiana, to uh, Detroit, um, and, and basically he got murdered in the middle of the night when Tyson Krupp wouldn't let him in the gate and um uh, you know that was a matter of him getting shot five times in a desolate area similar to the Jason Rivenberg scenario des you know desolate area and you know basically uh, they burned him in the truck and and they found him uh, the next morning um, you know police uh, on the scene so this is a this is a law that is basically dedicated to Michael Baglin as the most recent person who has become a victim of uh, crimes against truckers, but uh, no isolated incident whatsoever. Five hundred in the last decade,
4: right? <laughs> and I also understand that uh, that Ashley Begin, Mike's wife, she was uh, she is a, a supporter of Mike's law, obviously, correct?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, you know, a year ago when I wrote Mike's law uh, as the um, Americans Working in Interstate Commerce Protection Act, I, I said, you know. We uh, we would be honored to name it after Michael and um, and Ashley said she she thinks that you know she thought that would be a good idea because Michael was a proponent of guns and um, and you know unfortunately one was used to one or more was used to um, you know to kill him but ultimately uh, it would have been a great thing if he had something there to protect himself he would have had a fight chance so she does support this a hundred percent
6: awesome.
4: Well, I know there's been a lot of changes since the last time you were here to you know talk about Mike's Law. First of all, I know you're heading toward a uh, 12,000 signatures on the petition, but explain again how how Mike's Law will change the way a driver carries. I mean, I know there's a, I mean, you have those that are, I mean, really for it. Those are just you know so so against it, which you know I I don't quite understand. I think maybe it's just a lot of misunderstanding or. Or not fully understanding exactly what Mike's law is, but so tell us how will how will that change the way a driver, a, a professional CDL uh, truck driver carries, and the difference between the uh, federal permit and the state permit.
5: Yeah, I think there is a lot of, you know, miscon- uh misconceptions and confusion and misunderstandings and, and there's a few people that are a little just a little pig headed and they just want to say the Second Amendment is all they need and, and they're not grounded in the political reality. But um basically what Mike's Law does is is it creates a federal business carry permit. And, you know, we worded this specifically although it's been dubbed as the trucker gun bill and of course would definitely apply to interstate truckers. You know, this is a a more expansive type of a bill that would cover anyone that's an American that's working in interstate commerce. And, you know, what we're trying to do here, and there's a lot of different definitions of what interstate commerce really is, we're trying to go for a more broad, all expansive type of a, a definition rather than just transportation of, you know, people and property. Uh, to basically, you know, trying to stretch in the whole consumer element of it. But the bottom line for this particular bill is that it's intended as a business carry permit, similar to what, you know, some of the states currently issue. You know, New York is a, a state I bring up all the time, and, you know, they are obviously a, a very, um, you know, what I would call a anti-gun state, what they would call a pro-gun control state, and, and it's very difficult to get a carry permit in New York. I used to live in New York, and I actually had one as a, a private investigator um, for a while. And, you know, I I was only able to get it because of that business purpose. So it's, it's mimicking, you know, the state type of permitting system for a business purpose. Now, what it doesn't do is it doesn't set up a mandatory national database, and it doesn't set up a, you know, um, yeah, any type of uh, restrictions on any existing state permits. So in other words, you know, the states would still be free to issue permits that regulate firearms within their boundaries, point to point, you know, within their states. Uh, if your state gives you a permit to carry, like, like we have here in Florida, Alan, I know you have one, I have one, uh, Donna, I wouldn't be surprised if you had one. So, you know, we're, we're all kind of, you know, coming from the same standpoint of a state that's friendly towards guns, and you know, in a state like that you know we would still have our permits it doesn't it doesn't make our permits obsolete if you're in one of those states where you have the right to open carry it doesn't change that if you're in a state where you don't need a permit you know it doesn't change that it's not about creating gun regulations and i got to tell you i am i'm thoroughly like flabbergasted over the last couple of weeks since we issued our latest uh, press release and started chatting with uh you know folks publicly on facebook about the nra I, I I can't believe that the majority of the people who are against Ike's law are basically these people who are fearing federal power, and uh, you know I refer to them usually as the NRA libertarian sect, you know, uh, of the NRA members, and you know these folks just you know they want to have it the way they want it. They want it to just be a matter of Second Amendment, and uh, even if I agree with them on that, you know that doesn't change the whole. Political reality, so you know it's not something where we're trying to squeeze in a national database, and if you think about it, you know you don't have to apply for this permit, so if you're a trucker or a non trucker you know you don't have to apply for this, and your name's not going to be in a in a database. And one of the things that I said on uh, XM Radio a couple of days ago, back on Wednesday, I guess it was three days ago, I said, you know, it's very interesting that the same people who are always going after the liberals, because the liberals don't like guns, they don't want to own a gun, and ultimately they don't want you to own a gun, those are the same same people that that hate it when the liberals say that. They're turning around now, and they're saying, well, you know, this is a special carve-out for truckers, and it's going to set up a national database, and they don't want to be in a database, and they don't care if a trucker doesn't care if they keep track of him being issued a, a permit and wants this to protect himself in an a anti-gun state like New York. All they want is no national databases. And so they're being hypocritical, and they're basically, you know, it's the same exact argument. Well, I don't want this, so you should not have it. And that's the whole liberal uh, approach. So all of these people, we're, we're, you know, we're stimulating a lot of discussion, and I think, you know, this show is, is obviously part of it as well. We want people to think about this in terms of, you know, what's the right thing to do here? And, and you know, we, I, I guess, you know, we need to talk about what the NRA solution is and, and how we disagree with that too.
4: Right. Well, you know, I find it funny that they talk about this national database because I mean, if you think about it, they're already in databases. I mean, they're in the MBR yeah. database. If they have, if they have a hazmat endorsement or other such endorsements, they're in the FBI database. So that that's kind of a, a silly argument, really.
5: It, it is. And and you know, I I don't know about you, Alan, but you know, there's an agency that knows about me, and it's called the Internal Revenue Service. And I, don't I think they know about every single American in the United States and where
4: they live. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's a lot of databases. Well, you know, I was going to mention that. That was one reason so many people are, you know, so passionately against it, because they don't want to have to register their guns with the federal government or be in a database. But now I understand uh, you have also put out proposed an amendment. You have an alternative to Mike's law. And now – if I, now I thought I had it in front of me, but the best I can remember doesn't that address the national database issue?
5: Yeah, it it does, and and you know so what we're doing here is you know we've we've kind of gone through the gamut here uh, over the last couple of weeks. You know we've gone to the NRA and we've said you know we've tried to get this introduced in Congress, and every time that we talk to a member of the House of Representatives, you know what happens is they're excited and then they say they'll call us back. And, of course, the next thing they do is they talk to the NRA because it's a gun matter. Of course, you're going to talk to the gun lobby. And then they come back and they say, yeah, um, you know, we can't do this. And some of them come back and say, because the NRA doesn't want us to do this. Some of them, you know, uh, have told us that in writing. You know, we've published some of that information out there in writing, that there's, quote, third parties um, and, you know, these are the same people, Dr. Bouchon's staff, for instance, Ashley Bagelin and Michael Baglin's representative. And, you know, so what we've done here is we've basically kind of said, well, you know, we're going to have to start to see if there's room for some kind of a compromise with people who are on the pro gun side with us, you know, but have these concerns about this carve out for truckers and national database so although we're not giving up on um on mike's law and, and don i'm hope i'm hoping i didn't confuse you too much with this uh yesterday when we announced this um that we were kind of seeking comments on this Um what we're doing now is in addition to mike's law we are looking to throw another you know um proposed bill into the hopper uh there's some discussions with uh, ashley if we could name this after mike uh, maybe as Michael's law instead of Mike's law at the end, you know, but we'll, we'll deal with all that kind of stuff, you know, later on. But basically, there's an existing statute already on the books, and it's in 18, Title 18 of the United States Code, and it's basically Section 926A. And that section, as an existing statute, basically regulates interstate transportation of violence. And you know what right. what that is all about, as, as you know, you probably already know, is is that that has to do with regulating transportation of of firearms when you have a a, a right, you know, a a, 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 a a how would I say you you have privileges in a particular state to, to possess a firearm, and now you're going to, to let's say move or travel or whatever it is, and you're going to go to another state, your destination state, you also have the right to possess firearms, basically it's saying under federal authority you have the right to go through all those anti-gun states to get from point A to point B to transport this weapon as long as it's not in a readily, um, you know, accessible uh, capacity, loaded and and by your side. It's got to be locked away. It's got to be you know ammunition out, and, and that's the existing statute. So now what we're saying is well look if there's already an interstate transportation of firearms statute. Maybe we don't need a full new law. Maybe we just need to tap into the existing law and amend it. And so that's what we've proposed, and we've kind of put that on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, and we've kind of started to ask people, you know, uh, we're doing this very informally at the moment. This is a very rough draft, and we basically said, what do you folks think about this? And lo and behold, you know, when we start to change this around, and maybe real quick I'll I'll read the applicable uh, provisions for you, uh, you know, to kind of make sure everybody understands exactly what we're talking about. Lo and behold, people are now all of a sudden joining us, and these are the people who were worried about national databases and you know carve outs, because now it applies to everybody. And we have a hook. You know, we're the Small Business and Transportation Coalition. You know, we're not a gun trade group, but you know, this is a trucker issue and this is a transportation statute. So we kind of feel like you know we're on the right the turf here. And so what this basically says is any person who is not prohibited from possessing, carrying, transporting, shipping, or or otherwise receiving a firearm shall be entitled to carry on his person in a loaded, readily accessible capacity and transport a firearm for any lawful purpose from any place in any state to any other place in a different state in accordance with the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution. And what that does, again, is it ties the federal government's um, authority, it ties it into the federal government's authority to regulate interstate commerce under the Commerce Clause.
2: Okay, well, I'm, you know, hi, hi, James. Um, <clears throat> I'm reading the two, uh, you know, the alternative and the, the one, the statute, the way it is, and I don't see where it would be just for truckers or people in interstate commerce. I mean, are you saying that that it, the whole um, statute would be re- revised, or is it an amended? Or how, well, how are you doing this? Well,
7: what it looks like, out- the way
2: I see it, it looks like it's going to apply to everybody, not just truckers. Is that right?
5: Yes. Yes, that is correct, and that is our intent. So you know that addresses the issue of well, this is a trucker you know uh, carve out bill and why why should truckers be able to carry and not make you know kind of a mentality so that's exactly what that is, and we're intentionally doing that so what we've done if you you know if you folks go to Facebook and you go to LinkedIn and you get to our s d t c small business in transportation coalition pages uh and groups, you'll see that what we've done is we've said here's our proposal and it's against the existing language in the statute. So it says here's what it says now and here's what we propose it be changed to. So yes, it is exactly that. It is not a trucker bill, it's a more all inclusive bill. It's still about transportation of firearms. So, you know, we're still in the in the, the, the ballpark. But you know, and it would apply to truckers and any other American but we're basically doing the expanding that um, you know that we were basically saying would eventually happen if you know we were to only go with Mike's law and then you know get Mike's law in place and then try to expand it after it's law. So this kind of cuts to the chase and says, well, let's just do it from the onset. Carriers will be covered by this, and we'll get less resistance from people who are worried about some, you know national databases and and outs
2: and who would you go to to you know present this um is this this isn't a bill this is actually changing something that's already on the books, so who would have to do that? Who do you go to
5: oh it would it would still be a um a bill to amend another you know law essentially so okay much like your okay second, you know your second your second um, topic tonight is the denim amendment well, this would be an amendment to an existing statute as well.
2: Okay, okay, that's uh, that's what I was wondering, how you are going to do that. Okay, well, because um, I know um, the NRA has like four bills out, you know. We were looking, uh, Alan, do you have that info in front of you? They've got... Um,
4: yeah, they have, uh, I mean, this whole thing, Mike's Law, I mean, all of this really is ver- very simple. I mean, it's really targeting the the reciprocity laws, and N- NRA has four reciprocity uh, proposed bills right now, and from what I can see, although they have, you know, a lot of co-sponsors, they, they're not really going anywhere. I mean, one in particular, I know, um, ha- has been ongoing for like 10 years. You, they have H.R. 402, H.R. 986, H.R. 923, and S 498, and um, introduced by representatives in Florida, North Carolina, Indiana, and Texas. So, reciprocity laws that's a big thing here so they have four proposed bills you have Mike's law Uh, I know you've had a a few little run-ins with the NRA we'll get into that here in a minute but what what is the difference between Mike's law and the NRA's national reciprocity uh, proposed bills and uh, I know you're you're adamant about Mike's law has a better chance of passing which seems true since uh, NRA has been going uh, for 10 years now. And, and let me just add here real quick, you know, hey, you know, I'm a big supporter of NRA. Uh, you know, they do great work for, you know, standing on the uh, Second con- the Second Amendment of the Constitution and our rights, but what's the difference between your bill, your proposed bill, their proposed bills, and... Uh, well,
2: theirs are actual bills, Right.
4: Well, no, I mean, there, you said there was one I know of that they've been trying to get. Well, the thing that they're having trouble with James with is uh, they've been trying for 10 years on one, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, but why do, you, why do you see Mike's Law as having a better chance of passing from what the NRA's trying, been trying to do?
5: Well, here, here's the thing. You know, I, I've been real tough on the NRA over the last couple of weeks, as everybody knows. And, and NRA, you know, put out a a, a release, you know, statement. A video, as you know, and uh, they've called me because a lot of truckers are canceling their memberships. Uh, you know, so uh, I've, I've I'm on a path at the moment. I'm on the you know the the borderline here, still representing truckers who are very upset with the NRA as to let's see if we can turn this whole thing around and all get back on the on the right side. But you know, in fairness to to go over the issue here with you, it's been ten years, as you just pointed out, Alan. And we still don't have a bill. that's number one right uh, Number two is people pay their membership dues, and the president of the n r a makes almost million a million dollars a year. so it's ten million dollars in dues. It's ten years later, and as I said in the beginning of the show, there are five hundred dead Americans. Now put that in the in the context of last night's Paris event, you know where 120 some odd people, 29 I think, you know are are now dead, um, you know in one day. May not may not sound like much as a shock, you know in terms of shock and awe here, but 500 Americans, like Michael Begglin and uh, Jason Rivenberg, are dead, and you know that's because they were murdered, not accidents or anything like that. They're willful killing of these people, uh, you know, that that's happened. So, so in other words, it's been 10 years. A lot of money has been spent and time, and there's not much to show for it other than 500 dead Americans just in the trucking industry alone. So it's time for a plan B. And here's, here's the thing. Even if finally after 10 years one of these bills that um, deals with national reciprocity were to actually pass Congress, it would go to the president to be signed. We all know none of these bills are going to be signed by President Obama. So now we're looking at, you know, the next administration, assuming it's a Republican, you know, administration. Uh, then there's a chance to get this signed. Otherwise, we're back to needing, um, you know, two-thirds vote for an override of a veto. Uh, veto. Um, but let's say best-case scenario is the NRA bill, one of them, gets through and is now law. Now the anti-gun states are going to sue the federal government in in federal court because what these bills do is they force the states that don't want to grant reciprocity voluntarily now to grant reciprocity to states that have less restrictions on guns than they do. So there are states like New York who grants reciprocity to no other state. And they mm-hmm. don't want to do that. They don't want Texas people coming in you know or florida people where it's easy just to do paperwork and a background check and and then that's it you know they they want you know that they want a total gun control restrictions on guns and they don't give it to, the, to their own residents of their state that easily you know so so here what's happening is that this is a, and the NRA you know is kind of a, a, a catering to all of these people that are on the right side you know the the what I call the libertarian sect that don't want federal power at all, that don't trust the federal government. So here's the NRA using federal power to actually force a state to do what the state doesn't want to do. And here's the clincher, dot, 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 in violation of, I believe, the 10th Amendment of the United States Constitution, which has to do with states' rights. So Mm -hmm. what's happening here is that the NRA is following a – You know, uh, tunnel vision type of a mentality of, you know, the ends justify the means. And what I say is, we're back to that old adage do two
7: wrongs
5: really make a right? Because it's wrong for the federal government to be used to force the states to do something that they don't want to do when the federal government doesn't have the power to set the rule to begin with. And you know, and, and, and now here we are where we're trying to do that, if we're the NRA, to force the state of, let's say, New York or New Jersey to stop doing something wrong themselves, which is infringing on Americans' Second Amendment constitutional right to bear arms. So two wrongs to make a right? I don't think so. So that's the, setup well, for the way they're going. That's, that's why that's no good. It's never going to stand. Mike's law is based on the Commerce Clause.
2: Right, right. So, so what? And 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 explain that in more detail. The the commerce clause is because they are already um, involved in interstate commerce, and that's federal. So therefore, uh, it, it would be easier to get through. Correct.
5: Right. Right. So in in our American system of government, we follow something called federal. And in the context of federalism, it basically, you know, the Constitution is set up so that, you know, the the, the basic part of the Constitution and then the amendments in terms of, the you know, the Ten Bill of Rights and all, uh, it's all set up so that it regulates government power. And we have checks and balances among the federal agencies, but in terms of federalism, it, it describes the relationship among the federal government as a central government power, the state governments, and then the rights of the people. So, what we have here is specifically the federal government is charged with very few things that it can you know that it can do, one of which is regulate interstate commerce. so if it has anything to do with interstate commerce and I'm sure this is going to come up in part two of of your show on the denim uh, amendment you know if it has to do with uh, federal um if it has to do with interstate commerce, it's their right to regulate that. And so what we're doing is we're saying, well, we can force the states to do something when the federal government has the, the the actual legitimate bona fide authority to get involved in the issue. So if they can regulate interstate commerce and truckers, you know, are are on the road and they're going from state to state, then the possession of guns as per this existing regulation, you know, our plan B here, it's already it's already on the books, you know, regulation of transportation of of uh, firearms. So, so mm-hmm. now what we have basically is they have the right to regulate firearms in a truck. Uh and if we mm-hmm. expand the definition to what is interstate commerce and there's many different definitions in our industry and outside of our industry, if we use, you know, the typical outside the industry definition, then interstate commerce has to do with people, American citizens, going from one state to another state as a consumer and buying stuff. So every time you leave the state of Florida and you go to Georgia to go visit someone, as you know, non-business capacity in a regular sedan, not a truck, and you go and you stop and you buy gas. Guess what? You just engaged in interstate commerce,
1: mm-hmm.
5: and you and you buy right. a hamburger in another state. That's interstate commerce under that definition. So, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's two ways to go here. We can either start by getting this, you know, what they say is a carve-out, you know, for truckers, and then expand it, you know, from there. Can We can go right to this other statute and, and try that way. But, the, you know, the thing is that when, when people say, well, why do truckers, you know, deserve the special carve-out, there's a couple of reasons. And I think you know them, and most of your listeners here know them. And they are, you know, the trucker has the right to defend himself. He's sleeping in a in a sleeper berth in a city. There's unsafe parking. All these things we've been talking about now for years. You know, it, it's all coming together here. He's got precious cargo. You know, someone on XM Radio said, hey, I'm a hazmat driver, and I got more than precious cargo. I got dangerous cargo. And imagine if a terrorist, you know, hijacks me and I can't defend the cargo. The next thing you know, you're going to be reading about an incident on uh, CNN and Fox News, like we did last night. So, you know, that, that's kind of where we're, you know, where we're coming from.
2: Well, you know, when I watched the the video, um, and and they were explaining, um, Alan, I don't know if you if you what? have that that. To, well, when they were explaining it. Um, well, you know, we're all for Mike's law and all that. Um, and Let what? Me, okay, he's just gonna. Okay, yeah, I won't. I I'm, won't ruin this.
4: trying to get to it here. So, yeah, the um, uh, Lars Delside, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, Media manager at National Rifle Association. He was uh, interviewed by Cam Edwards of Cam and Company on Sirius XM. And mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they touched on uh, Mike's Law and the NRA's stance on it. So, uh, just got a couple minutes. Let me play that. It's courtesy of the NRA's YouTube channel. But here is uh, Lars Delsite of the National Rifle Association on uh, Sirius XM, and here's what he had to say.
6: Well, we, we got a notification the other day that the Small Business and Transportation Coalition We're challenging the National Rifle Association to protect and promote uh, truckers' gun rights and making a claim that we were blocking some bill that they had come forth, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. So this, this isn't anything that we have done, have thought about doing, have discussed doing, or anything whatsoever when it comes to the Second Amendment rights of the truckers or any class of individuals.
0: Uh huh. Okay, so this this bill, uh, which is not a bill, uh, it's a proposed bill, uh, right? Uh, called uh, Mike's Law, and I guess the idea would be that there would be some sort of uh, what business carry license, something
6: like that, right? Yeah, something for the the truckers, for the people that are driving cross-country, so when they do end up in those states where it's not as friendly to the Second Amendment as others, that they would still have means of uh, protection, sort of a, a national a reciprocity act for concealed carry and you know the nra is working with a number of legislators uh, to try to get a national reciprocity agreement so anybody and everybody with a concealed carry license will be able to carry wherever they go and that's we've definitely have put our efforts uh, forward on that but when it comes to working against some other thing that's that just isn't the case that is not happening so, I mean, there's when, when you think about what the truckers go through, that's the same thing for something like the pharmaceutical salesman who travels cross-country, who has expensive merchandise as well, and they have to worry about these things, uh, are the same sort of uh, problems and fears that the truckers might. And we're just trying to make sure that anybody and everybody is going to get covered with uh, the legislative efforts that we put forth.
4: Uh, so James, I mean, it just sounds like to me that the NRA, um, you know, they just they just didn't want something that would benefit one group of the population. That one group meaning the CDL truckers, and they're wanting to work towards something and for those engaged in interstate commerce, uh, you know, for for all Americans, not just one group.
5: Well, you know, if, if that first of all, that video is accompanied by a statement on their web and, you know, the statement that they make is very misleading, and it's very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and, and Donna, you just fell into the trap a minute ago when we talked about it. Uh, what what the statement says is that Mike's law would basically give truckers the right to, to carry the firearm uh, from state to state, and they support the right that Mike's law would bestow. That's what... That's basically what that statement says, and I think right. that that is so ambiguous and so unclear, and I believe intentionally unclear to give to people who want to believe that, you know, NRA was not blocking Mike's Law. Oh, they would never do that. And look, they say they support Mike's Law. They don't say they support Mike's Law. They say they support the right that Mike's Law would bestow, and that that's a subtle. Distinction that you got to really be looking for in order, you know, you got to study that in order to pick that up. So they, you know, if you ask them, do you or do you not support Mike's law, and you make it a yes or no question, you're not going to get the same, you know, nonsense. That, that they well, the other
2: thing I noticed in the um, in the audio was that they said it was a business uh, carry, and that was also kind of vague, ambiguous because they didn't mention the commerce clause and that it was based on, you know, uh the 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 interstate commerce and, you know, they didn't explain that distinction. So it it was it wasn't <coughs> really clear.
5: Yeah, and and what they what they also talk about a little bit if you listen, you know, to that again, it would you you'd pick up on how uh they talk about, well, Mike's not even a bill. How can we be blocking it because it hasn't even been introduced? <laughs> Our whole charge is that they are blocking it from being introduced. And I can tell you, we have it in writing from certain people. We have it uh, they told us over the phone when we've asked them. You've got to remember, we've been trying to do this for a year now, and we've gone to many, many people. We've met with people in person in Washington. We've done phone calls. You know, We've, we've done a whole bunch of things, and we have Senator Rubio's people in the Senate ready to go. But when it comes to the House... Every single time that we go to somebody who's pro gun, then what happens is they're concerned about their NRA rating. And so either the NRA tells them not to do it, or they ask the NRA, hey, you know, what do you think of this? And they tell them what they think, and it's not positive. Um, you know, from our standpoint, and then they say, well, I better not upset the NRA because then I'll lose my rating and my political action committee NRA funds that they send me for my campaign and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that's that's the first thing. The the second thing is, you know, we've had meetings where we've actually been scheduled to have a phone call with, you know, a a staffer who's going to have the NRA in their office. The NRA gets there, and the NRA then says, don't call James. Because we don't even want to talk to James. and so we don't we get cut out of the meeting, and they say don't sponsor this bill. And so what happened is they called me after about a week after they put that that video out. They they called me, and they apologized during that conversation for political maneuvering and not holding the meeting that we had duly scheduled. And there's right. certain things they will not apologize for. Like, you know, uh, they don't like that it's a carve-out bill and national database and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is they did block us from doing this. And and at this point, you know, we're not giving up, and we're going to go to some people who are pro-gun, who have a very bad NRA rating, who could care less what the NRA thinks, and we're going to ask them to introduce it. But in the meantime, rather than continue to, you know, rest all of our eggs in this one basket that entails a war with the NRA – we're basically saying there's two other things we can do. one is a lawsuit. we sue an anti gun state, and it's all based on a violation of the Fourteenth Amendment. Now, if you look at our petition as Alan said, has uh, something like twelve or thirteen thousand signatures now, you know basically the petition sets everything up as this bill is needed because what's happening right now is a state like New York allows a citizen of New York to possess a firearm in their home. They don't let them carry it outside in public, but they let them have it in their home. And they call it a residence premise license or a target license. The only time you can take it out of your home is if you go on the range and then you come right back. And And that's like a New York basic resident license. Well, what that does is it allows the homeowner who's going to go to sleep within the state of New York in a residential building every night to have a gun under their bed. And God forbid somebody breaks into their home, then they have the right to defend their home and their their family. Right. So that's set up already in New York. So here's trucker Joe Bob that's going from Georgia to New York and he and he brings his, his gun gun with him. He gets he gets caught and he gets arrested. And it happens all the time it happened happened in Jersey this year. it happened in uh in New York a couple of times last year. lighter covered covered it at one point. It happens all the time and so when they do that and they prevent him from lawfully having the firearm in his sleeper berth when he's staying you know in his truck, which you know under the castle doctrine in some states you know he has the right to defend his castle even though it's the truck, they don't recognize that in those states. And they need to, and the fact that they don't is discriminatory against truckers, because what happens is if he if he chooses to to follow the law and he winds up getting killed, like let's say Mike Bateman did in Detroit, in that case, his amendment rights were violated because we all as Americans have the right to equal protection of the laws, so the dentist that's in his home. In New York, in a building in Scarsdale, uh, you know, wealthy section of uh, of New York, right. he has right. that right. But but the trucker who's going to bring food for that dentist doesn't have that right. That's not America. That that's that's Nazi New York that doesn't have the right to do that. And somebody has to explain that to them. And we're preparing uh, with our legal team to file a suit. We're hoping the NRA will join us. They've talked about it, and, uh, you know, even though we're having this little tip with them, you know, there's a potential for that. And then the second thing would be to go forward with a more uh, all-inclusive type of a bill like what we're proposing now with this amendment, and, you know, maybe they'll get on board with that, and maybe we'll still accomplish the same thing that we would have uh, accomplished with Mike's Law. But, you know, right now getting support for Mike's Law is, is looking real tough. And, um, you know, we've we've said what we had to say. A lot of truckers are real pissed off. And, you know, they've they've started uh, telling us in our poll that they're, you know, quitting their membership with the NRA. So we've made our point, and I think it's time now to, to re-embrace the NRA, if you will, and say, all right, well, how about this one? And if they come back and they say they don't like this one, I can't wait to hear the reason. Because then it's a matter of what some people have said, well, you know, it might just be, well, who the hell are you? Your SBTC. Mm-hmm. This is not transportation. This is guns, and leave, leave the guns to us. And you know, we'll 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 move forward with our our bill. And maybe they're embarrassed. I don't know. So that's kind of where we're at.
4: Yeah. Well, I you know I would hate for them to to um, give up their membership for the NRA, but uh, you know that's their choice. But the uh, I mean, it seems to me it seems odd because I mean, if Mike's law if if Mike's law passed became law. NRA has been working on these uh, reciprocity laws uh one like I said earlier for at least 10 years hasn't gotten anywhere if yeah. if my if Mike's right. law passed it seems to me that that would give them um a firmer ground to stand on to get their legislation passed you see what i'm saying yeah if, i agree if Mike, I if, yeah
5: I've called it a stepping stone the whole time. In fact, a year right. ago, when I first called, I called them in October of uh, 2014, right after I wrote the bill. The first thing I did was say, "Hey, maybe we can get the NRA to help us." You know, and so we, we sent it to them, and they wrote back and they said, "No, you know, we have our own bill, uh, but you know, you go your way and we'll go our way." That's not what they did. What they did was they snaked us, and what they did right. was they they tried they tried to prevent our bill from being introduced. They they wanted their bill. So, you know, I'm not... Well, we had had written them, too.
2: We had written them, too. Matter of fact, right after you, um, you know, you you created Mike, you wrote Mike's Law, and we told them about it, and they immediately sent an email thanking us for letting us know, and, you know, it was like a very positive email. Um, Then, you know, and then everything went on that you just explained. Uh, We wrote them again uh, about a week ago and invited them on the show and, um, you know, explained everything, and we didn't get a response. So, you know, go figure. Um, I just want to say something because, um, you know, I I looked at everybody on the line on the switchboard. If somebody wants to ask a question and you're, you're listening on your phone now, just press one on your keypad and what that does is it it shows us that you want to ask James a question. Uh, The other thing is for everybody who's listening online if you do want to um, ask James a question dial in 347-826-9170 and again Press 1 on your keypad, or else we don't know you want to ask a question. It used to say that on the recording when you called in, and they stopped doing it. So and,
4: um, Yeah, and this segment's winding down here, too. You know, I, f- I found it interesting. You know, there's um, Congressman Paul Tonko of New York, along with uh, Hope Rivenberg, uh, you know, the main forces behind Jason's Law, named after, you know, murder trucker Jason Rivenberg. I found it interesting that the congressman for the Bagelin family, Doctor Bouchon, uh, is not willing to support uh the bill for Mike's law. I mean I found that odd. Do you uh have anything on that?
5: Well, I I found it odd as well until I looked into, you know, the relationship between him and the NRA. And he gets two thousand dollars um every election cycle from what I recall from the NRA political action committee for his campaign. And he is the co-sponsor of their, one of their reciprocity bills. And, you know, he's got a A rating from NRA. And so basically when it comes down to doing what the NRA says versus upsetting the NRA, he's positioned himself, especially in Indiana, which is a high NRA you know membership state from what I understand, you know, he doesn't want to lose NRA members. And what's happening here is that, you know, there's there's something like 5 million. They say it was 4.5 a minute ago, but they say it's now 5 million NRA memberships in, in the United States. There's almost 9 million Americans working in uh, transportation. So, you know, uh, 3.5 to 4 million of which are drivers. So, you know, we're at that point now where it's, you know, well, we've got more trucker type people than you've got you know, NRA memberships, and most of, you know, our or, – or many of our truckers are probably NRA members. So we have a lot of mutual people here that we're dealing with. And what's happening is they're they're listening to these people who are, you know, the right-wing libertarian sect who are fear-mongering about federal power and the government coming to take your guns, and, and you know, they're paranoid. And I, I told people, I told Mark Willis on XM Radio on Wednesday, I said, let's all be real here. If the if the, the the liberal Democrats actually ever came for your guns, that would spark a civil war in this country. Americans are not going to mm-hmm. give up their guns. You know that's what, and we've done that already, and that didn't work out too well. So let's you know let's be realistic. If the people who are afraid to call the people who killed people last night in Paris Islamic terrorists. Who are all the way over there across the Atlantic? If they're if they're you know not afraid of, of of those people, you know, then aren't they going to be afraid of of their fellow Americans who are going to pick up arms uh, against a, a gun take? You know that that's that's kind of where we're at.
2: Well, you know, I, I, one, another thing. Now the the NRA has those four bills that I saw. Um, why why can't there just be one more bill? I mean, why does it have to be? And and or why can't everybody just support one another and which one everyone flies um, just gets passed because, you know, it's a win for everybody. I I mean, I I guess that's how I see it. Has has anybody brought it up like that to them?
5: Well, Donna, look, I mean, this is this is a matter of money for a lot of people here. I mean, like I said, the the president of the NRA makes a million dollars a year, almost $900,000 a year. As SBTC chairman, you know what I pay myself? Nothing. I'm a volunteer. You know, this isn't about money for us. This is about truckers' lives. This is about having to make another phone call to an Ashley Bateman like we did last year and what we had to go uh-huh. through emotionally, what she had to go through emotionally, what the industry had to go through emotionally. You know, we had a trucker shot a couple of weeks ago, and regardless of whatever the hell he was doing, you know, the bottom line is that this happens all the time. You know, truckers are getting shot. So, you know, and and they're they're not only truckers, they're Americans. And so we're at the point now where if we have to, you know, go down the second road that's more conducive to getting support from, you know, people in the NRA and, you know, people who typically are members of the NRA that are from that libertarian side, you know, there, there, there's nothing we can do to change the liberals, the way they feel about guns, and the libertarians that that say the Second Amendment is my right to carry. It's not in New York. It should be but you're going to get arrested if you carry. And we're trying to prevent arrests and deaths. So, you know, well, it really becomes a matter of uh, can can we get the NRA now to come on to our side and adopt our bill as a mutual partnership bill? You know, they're national reciprocity. They want to keep trying that? Fine. We want to keep trying Mike's Law? Fine. But let's do a third plan, you know. Right. And, and so they, they they only have a plan A. We've We've offered plan B. They're not too happy about plan B. And now plan C. Is coming down. Right. So if Plan right. C works, we should get together. If they don't embrace Plan C, then they have a philosophical difference over the idea of using federal power, which they're doing anyway, and they don't like this Commerce Clause attachment, and we can't change that. And and then it's a matter of they just want to, you know, pay lip service to their people who pay them dues, and they don't want to upset those people. Well truckers are upset, and truckers are stopping and paying their dues. So if they want to get those dues back, then they should partner with us so that we come back and tell the truckers that, you know, we're back on the same page.
2: Okay. Well, um, you know, I, I guess I, <laughs> I, I'm i such a team player uh, with people that, you know, to me it's just like, you know, whosever bill it is and, who, you know, gets it passed is a win for everybody. So that's just how I right. think, though. But I, I guess there's, you know, that's just being naive. I guess.
5: You're thinking about the end game result, and that's an honorable thing to do, and that's what we're looking at too. We're not looking at passing the bill that we know is going to get challenged and and be able to pat ourselves on the back. We want a bill that goes through, that becomes law, it sticks, it's grounded in the Constitution and in the federal government's right to act. And and that's going to be the end of it. And a trucker then has the right to go into the state of New York and, and either based on a Mike's Law bill or this Plan B bill that we have, he, he can basically tell the state of New York to have a nice day because he's federally protected.
2: Okay. Well, um, I'll tell you what, we've covered a lot tonight. <clears throat> I'm still getting over a cold. I'm sorry um but we sure did go, get over a lot tonight. Um I didn't think we were going to get through all this.
4: Yeah, well James where can uh where can people go to uh learn more or get involved uh, in in the uh, Mike's Mike's bill uh cause.
5: Well, the best thing the best thing to do is to follow us on social media at this point. I mean, I, we've been advertising about this heavily and you know, we'll probably find you if you have trucker in your your profile uh, ads are being served to you on Facebook. So, uh, but uh, if you want to, you know, just go to our Facebook page or go to um, LinkedIn. Just find us as Small Business in Transportation Coalition. Uh, our website is www.smalltransportation.org, and uh, if you want to look at the text of the Mike's Law Bill, uh, we have that up, and that is uh, www.mikes, plural Mike's Gun Law dot org, and very shortly uh, after we finish our uh, comment period here and our legal review uh, with our attorneys, uh, we'll probably re- uh, put out a proposed uh, revision to the Interstate uh, Transportation Firearms Statute, and you'll see that soon as well.
4: Okay.
2: And I'm going to put these links uh, up on the uh, on the, the the radio show page on Blog Talk Radio, so they can get there too.
4: too. Okay. All right, James, sounds good. Uh, we will keep in touch and follow you and see how it's all going. Appreciate you coming in and joining, uh, spending some of your time with us on Saturday. All
5: right, well, thanks for having me on again.
4: All right. Hey, thanks, James. We will see you. Okay, James Lamb of the Small Business Transportation Coalition about Mike's uh, Mike's Law. Uh, I tell you what, coming up next, our next topic going to be about the Denim Amendment, and this is something that uh, truckers uh, really need to uh, be aware of. My understanding, Donna, is uh, one of our friends on our social media even contacted OIDA about the Denim Amendment, and they weren't even aware of it
2: and that's what i heard now of course that was uh that was uh, a couple of days ago right so um you know they might very well be aware of it right now especially with all that we've been putting out about it we've got uh videos and all kinds of things going on so um but you know i'd be curious to to know what they think
4: yeah well the denham amendment it was slipped into the house transportation bill which was approved november 4th the amendment was introduced by Representative Jeff Denham from Turlock, California. He introduced a legislation which could substantially reduce the amount truckers are compensated and eliminate their right to take breaks under the laws provided by their state. And uh, after battling in the courts for years, trucking companies and losing these issues, the trucking industry is now trying to sneak in a provision, the Denham Amendment, eliminating trucker's rights in a larger transportation bill in hopes that the provision will go unnoticed, which, like I just said a minute ago, basically has until now. So joining us, coming up after this quick break is attorney Ashish Desai. He's with the Desai Law Firm out of uh, California. He has a reputation as both an ethical and determined attorney and a long history of success. He represents thousands of truck drivers in wage disputes with their employers and uh, his firm has spent the last several years filing wage and hour class actions against the trucking industry in California. Uh, Mr. Desai has written countless uh, legal articles, co-authored the leading CEB practice manual for California wage and hour law, published by the Regents of the University of California. And he is also a chapter editor for the Fair Labor Standards Act, a preeminent labor uh, treaties published by uh, the BNA, and uh, he has personally reviewed tens of thousands, literally, of payroll documents, sat through hundreds of uh, truck driver and industry depositions, and he knows a real reason about the denim Amendment, which he will explain tonight with us when we come back right after this short break. Hang with us. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash trucker lawyers and follow them on twitter as at trucker lawyers call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503 Welcome back, and have you heard about the denim Amendment, which could affect truckers' wages? Uh, attorney Ashish Desai of the Desai Law Firm out of California is our guest here to explain it all. Uh, Ashish, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Appreciate you uh, joining us this Saturday evening. Hey, Alan.
0: Hey, Donna. How are you guys doing today?
4: Hey, great! Doing great. good. I'm trying. I'm trying not to chuckle here because Donna's, comu- <laughs> Donna's computer Donna's yeah. computer just went black, so I don't know what's going on over I know over there. He, he's
2: watching me panic over <laughs> here. <laughs>
4: uh, All right, live
2: radio. You guys are
1: pros.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We we get through it one way or the other. Well, listen, this is your first time on our show. We're glad to have you. I Appreciate you out there in California and. And uh, like I said earlier, you have done a lot uh, with truck drivers' wage disputes out in California. Now, a lot of people have not even heard of this Denim Amendment, uh, many of the organizations out there. I mean, I think there's still a lot of truckers that have no idea what this thing is, but this is something that truckers need to wait. They need to listen and, and really focus on this thing because this is a big deal. So I'll just ask you straight out, What what is the Denim Amendment?
0: Well, you know, rather than give you a legal definition and read what it is, it's a very simple uh-huh. thing. It means that truck drivers will earn less money. Period. That's what <laughs> it's going to do. It's it's going uh, and uh and I'm happy to answer questions as we go through this. But what it does is it most truckers know how they get paid. They get paid by what's called a piece rate basis, which means they get paid by the activity Usually, uh, the driving companies call it, you know, miles or miles stops and cases, or they they have different variations of it. But basically, it's mileage pay or activity-based compensation. The problem right. with that type of compensation plan is that, as everybody knows, that means truck drivers get paid when, when their wheels are rolling. I had a deposition with a truck driver. And the defense lawyer asked him that question, and he said, well, when do you get paid? And he gave the best answer I've ever heard in, you know, four years of doing this, which is that he gets paid when his wheels are rolling. Now, if it's wheels Mm -hmm. are not rolling, that means he's not getting paid. So truck drivers do an awful lot of work where their wheels are not rolling, including pre-shift work, post-shift work, taking breaks, things like that, (laughs) uh, that they should be getting additional compensation for.
3: for. Um, Right.
0: The trucking industry originally thought that, hey, we don't have to pay people this extra compensation because the federal law, which is the Fair Labor Standards Act, does not require this type of compensation. Unfortunately for the trucking industry, employers have to comply with both federal and state law wherever they are. So if you're in Texas, you've got to comply with both. If you're in California, you've got to comply with both. If you're in Massachusetts, you've got to comply with both, and so on and so forth. So uh, there was a lot of litigation that was filed. The trucking industry ultimately lost on all that, all those cases. Um, cases went up to the Ninth Circuit. Uh, we won, and then uh, the Supreme Court decided they didn't want to hear it. So
4: what they've done now is they're running to the legislature for a fix.
2: Hmm.
4: Okay, well, I guess we need to be clear, though, this this Denim Amendment, uh, I mean, it, right now it only affects those who drive in California or Washington. Am I correct on that? No, it affects everybody because what, what, it, what, it, what it says is that it allows a motor carrier that
0: compensates employees on a piece rate basis, which is anybody, anywhere, anytime, to avoid having to pay separate or additional compensation for any work that's not related to when the wheels are rolling. And so if you're okay. a driver that's working in Washington there's, a Washington, there's actually plenty of great Washington labor codes. Almost every state, by the way, has its own labor codes. And almost every state, when you take a look at the labor codes that that are passed, they don't allow for what's called this – the technical term is called a Klinghofer averaging argument. And the Klinghofer averaging argument means that you can use piece rate and wash your hands free as long as the total compensation for the total hours, (coughs) when it's all divided out, at least equals minimum wage. uh, What it allows – Trucking companies to do is just basically get away with free labor. It's
2: wage stamps, right? Which they have difficult. been all along.
0: Which they've been doing all along. And if you talk to truckers, and 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 as you mentioned, I have talked to more truckers, and not as many as you guys, but I've talked to truckers in deposition settings and all kinds of areas where they've been saying, "Look, this is what happens." They're, it's almost like they're used to it now. Uh, they're not. They're, they're used to doing so much free work, and they have for so long that it's almost unbelievable. I mean, their eyes kind of light up when I say, well, they have to pay you for the pre-shift work, when you get a manifest, when you do a safety inspection. All these are activities that clearly benefit the employer. And if they benefit the employer, then they ought to pay for it. You know, the truck drivers have made a lot of money for these companies. These companies are not hurting. Uh, The only way to get goods, as everybody knows, from one place to the other is by putting it on a truck. That's the one area that the Internet can never affect. Because you got, you know, you got to get your goods from one place to the other, and so trucking companies have been doing very well.
2: Uh, Well, let me. I'm gonna let's do some examples. So, could this prevent drivers from ever getting paid for detention time and all those pre and post trips and things like that? Oh,
0: absolutely. So, what what it'll do is (laughs) it will mean that drivers will not. First of all. You won't get detention time. You won't get pre shift, post shift activity. What does that mean? Safety inspections. You got to get your paperwork. You got to go to dispatch. If you run a key stop route where you're uh, delivering products early in the morning and they give you the key so you can drop it off and go to the next route, Uh, everybody who does one of those kind of routes knows that you got to match up all the keys. You got to take a look. You got to make sure the keys are, are right. It takes, you know, all this stuff takes. Driver drivers on average tell me they spend about 30 to 45 minutes every day uh, doing pre-shift work, and they spend about 30 to 45 minutes at post-shift. You don't just get to drive in, hand them your keys, and say, well, we'll see you next week and punch out. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. In addition, training time, meeting time, delay pay, you know, all of this stuff, a trucking company can come back and say, Look, this is all part of their average compensation. I know we didn't pay them for their meeting. I know we didn't pay them for the training. I know we didn't pay them for their meal breaks. I know we didn't pay them for pre shift and post shift. But, you know, when you average it all out, they got paid enough. And that's really what they're arguing. And I'm right. Arguing- that's not good enough. No other industry gets away with this kind of stuff, uh, or very few industries that I know get away with this kind of stuff, other than you know very exploitive-type industries, but you couldn't do this if you ran a law firm. You couldn't do this if you uh, ran Walmart. You have to pay right. people for every minute that they're working for you. Now, why should it be any different for truck drivers who we all know are very hardworking people?
4: Right, and only only in the trucking industry. And the reason I said in the beginning that this is something that truckers need to really open their eyes to and really really grasp here is because I mean the amendment is not in the Senate bill, but the House and Senate will be attempting to finalize the highway bill before November twentieth. Well, today's the fourteenth, so I mean this thing this thing is coming up. So, and, and as you said, as she it, it it can severely impact their wages. And, you know, we, Donna, we ought to say the Part B of the amendment. I mean, and that's a clause that is so alarming. Did you want to read mm-hmm. it? You want me to read it real you, quick you can. Or? Go you go
2: ahead. ahead and read it.
4: Okay, this is a clause that is most alarming here in Part B, and this is what it says. I'm quoting. A state political subdivision of a state or political authority of two or more states may not enact or enforce a law regulation or other provision having the force and effect of law that requires a motor carrier that compensates employees on a piece rate basis to pay those employees separate or additional compensation provided that the motor carrier pays the employee a total sum that when divided by the total number of hours worked during the corresponding work period is equal to or greater than the applicable hourly minimum wage of the state, political subdivision of the state, or political authority mm-hmm. of two or more states. Now, that's a lot of words, but as she's basically like you said, really all that's, to me, what that is saying is, no matter all the work you truckers do, if it averages out to be at least minimum wage, hey, that's good that's good enough. That's exactly what it says, and no other industry would
0: be able to get away with that you don't You don't tell a doctor where well, you've been paid enough, so I'm not going to pay you to take off my bandage. You already got paid enough to put it on you You don't tell right. someone who's you, you know doing any kind of work that that's good enough. The peace rate compensation plan let's po- start with that. It, it's basically an incentive plan. They they want to get you know smoking the bandit you know get get the goods from A to B as quick as you can, and they put the onus on the driver because it doesn't matter how fast you get it there, it, as long as you get it there you get paid the same whether it takes you eight hours or whether it takes you six hours or ten hours. Everybody knows that. That's why they're all incentivized to get their payloads from point A to point B. But that's an unfair thing. That's fine if they want to incentivize you to to work that way. But they have to pay you additional compensation for when the piece rate doesn't apply. And the piece rate only applies when the wheels are rolling. So if you're not getting paid for all this other work, well you're just sitting around and you're not getting paid. In fact, truck drivers get very upset. When they have when they go to the distribution or the terminal center and they say, Okay, I'm ready, getting my truck and the dispatch says, Oh, you know what, we had a flat tire, you're just gonna have to cool your jets until we get that fixed or We had a late delivery or somebody's late that we don't have your load ready yet. Well, the truck driver sits around and waits. Uh, Is he getting compensated for any of that? Of course not. And so those are the kinds of things that if you have a piece rate compensation structure, they're going to get away with it. And most states have their own laws. And so I don't want anyone to think that this is just a California law. This is not a California law. Uh, it is 38 or 40 states that have their own independent laws. The ones that don't, I, you know, they're far and few between, Montana, some other places that maybe truck drivers don't go through. But uh, practically every other state has its own labor code. Under these labor codes, you're going to see there's a lot of cases that have been firing up, not just in California. I know we filed one in Kansas. We filed. Uh, there's another one that's been filed in Massachusetts. Florida's got some. New York has had some coming up. All we're doing now is we're having – we're catching up to the industry. The industry has gotten away with this for so long, and now that we look at it, now that wage and hour lawyers are looking at it and saying, wait a minute, this doesn't really work. It doesn't compensate people for all their time. They lost in the courts, and now since they lost in the courts, they're, they're, they're going to the legislatures for help.
2: Because that the right. law is
0: very clear. Yeah, go ahead.
2: And you, when you say lost, <laughs> they lost. You mean the trucking companies have lost, and now they've gone yep. through the back door uh, with Congress, uh, correct?
0: That's exactly what happened, and uh, and that's why. And and I, you know, the way this was done is just diabolical. And I don't claim to be a political junkie or know how Washington works, but. This is this is the worst of the worst. So you have a transportation bill that provides a lot of other things. They pass it in the in in the Senate and then someone slips in an amendment for the House bill. These two bills have to be reconciled because they're a little bit different. And people will slip these kinds of things in. No one really knows what it does or what it means or how it impacts truck drivers until it's too late. And if we didn't catch it and see it and if we didn't have litigation going on right now. Right now I have a lot of cases uh where I represent thousands of drivers in certified cases and I have lots of friends that have the same situation here where if this thing passes it's wiped out they're done do not pass go do not collect any money thank you for your hard work
2: and goodbye
5: and
0: you know it, that's not right
2: it it isn't right and and the the timing on this you know you're probably not aware but we've been having shows about driver wages okay. And I believe I, I looked over my shoulder at, at uh, Alan's Switchboard, and I see uh, somebody there I recognize um, listening, and he's got his hand up, so he's probably going to be.
1: Yeah, I got uh, a few callers.
2: He's got a few with their hands up over there, but I just want to say that we've been having shows on wages, and one of the th- I mean, uh, one of the things they've come up with is combining uh, hourly wage with CPM uh in order to compensate for these hours that that they're not being paid and what that what this part b of this amendment tells me is you can forget about it that's not going to happen uh as if this amendment gets passed and and tell me am i correct on that you're 100% right
0: um, okay. exactly right now what they have to do is the other thing by the way The second really important thing, A, it's bad enough. Drivers don't get uh, compensation. Uh, All right, maybe they're used to that. Uh, But the other thing this does is it takes away any ability for a state to say that drivers need brakes. Now, we all know that accidents and and, and driver fatigue play play a big part in accidents. It's not so crazy for states to say, hey, every five hours, how about the driver, you know, Pull over and get something to eat. i You know that's what we're, that's what California is saying. They are pushing back on saying to somebody, "Hey, in five hours you want to eat something, and if you if you drive for another five hours, how about you eat again? And then maybe you know take a rest every once in a while, stretch your legs out. That's what we're saying. You know we think that's the minimum you should do. Uh, many states have these kinds of laws. They're directly related to safety. I mean, they help uh, other people out. I mean, but look. California or New York or any of these states, they're not so paternalistic that they're going to force feed you with a spoon, but they're saying, like every other employer in California, let's give your workers a break in five hours. Now, they're pushing back on that. I can't understand that.
2: And and now, just so everybody knows, and when they do have them take the break, they're they're paying them for that break, and 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 that's that's the difference because a lot of drivers aren't aren't used to you know getting paid for breaks. Um, well,
0: that's that's one thing. So in California, it's a little it's different from state to state, but generally, for meal breaks, you don't have to pay people for rest breaks, you do. So in California, for the rest breaks you take, they have to pay you, and they have to pay you separately for that. Now, if there's a situation where you're driving and it's too difficult and you can't get it done and there's nowhere to pull over a park, uh, I guess you can miss your break. But then the employer has to just pay you a one-hour penalty, and that would be lost too. An employer can do that very simply. He can say, hey, we, you know, Donnie, thank you for driving this route. It's going to be a little tough. Why don't you take your take your sandwich with you in a cooler and then eat it on the way? We'll give you an extra hour of compensation because you're going to have to eat your lunch while you're driving. But thanks a lot for doing that. Instead of being honest and upfront, what they do is they pressure drivers into lying on their driver logs and then saying that they took their meal breaks because they they have the schedule so tight, they've got – sometimes I've seen up to 15 or 20 deliveries per day. And you can imagine when you're doing that in a lot of traffic – you're looking at a very long day, and you better not run out of hours of service because if you run out, they're going to go to the next guy down the list and say, this guy can't be trusted. He doesn't deliver on time. He must be goofing around. And right, so, right. You, you know, drivers are trying as hard as they can to comply with these laws, but they're being incentivized and basically being told to paper over the file. I, I have seen so many driver's logs. There's no way people can take their lunch break from 11, to eleven thirty every day for three years. You know that it's just a paper record at that point, right? I I'm not oh, yeah. always argue to the judge. As soon as you see that, as soon as you see twelve o'clock to twelve thirty every day for, you know, two years, that's how you know it's falsified. That's exactly how you know. Because nobody does that.
1: You you go Well
2: even, even on those
1: four, right? yeah.
2: even on those thirty minute breaks that they have to take, yeah. um you know a lot of people just you know oh well, that
4: that's 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 a joke you know all all the all this stuff's been going on for years, and I never have understood you know like you said jeez how how can this is the one entity that gets away with this kind of stuff, and now they've got this denim amendment that's going to even make it worse, but hey, let me grab a couple callers uh welcome got- um I've got some uh is it's pretty much full i've got uh i haven't got everybody labeled but i've got texas tennessee missouri new york city florida michigan new york uh arkansas oklahoma new hampshire that's as far as i've got but we appreciate you (laughs) tuning in and everything let's go to uh let's go to texas first up then we'll grab tennessee but texas uh area code 512 welcome to the show Okay, I, I went to the evening. University
0: of Texas at Austin, by the way, just so you know. I
4: grew up in Texas. Okay. <laughs> I lived down there for a while.
7: But this, this is Pat Hockaday. Uh, hey, Pat. Myself. Uh, uh, geez. I wrote, How are you doing? Uh, uh, TruckersUnited.org is my website, and I've come up with a concept of a, a hybrid of hourly salary. So I guess my primary, and there's no way you can understand this without being familiar with it, but one thing that's alarming, first off, I think piecework wages need to be eliminated completely and replaced by a time-based system. So I've given a lot of thought on how to do that. So I would hope that maybe you'd be interested in uh, looking my stuff over. And it's getting back with me and giving me a legal point of view on that. Other than that, I just wanted to tune in tonight to listen and make myself available if y'all needed me. Well, what do you think you know, of this, Pat? You, I think we need to shut it down, uh, and okay. I'm working on that. I think we need to shut the switchboards down. I, I, I'm already arguing the people who oh, it's a waste of time to make that phone call. No, it's not. We need to shut the switchboards down. And let me also add, Awada is on top of this from the top level. Okay. From oh, thank God. Um,
2: okay. So I'm
7: aware, I'm aware of that going on. And other than that, we're just going to keep fighting like we are. What else can we do? Well, we've got that video up.
4: We've, we've got okay, that video running, up. You're talking it's only one at a time. Go ahead, Pat, and then Donna, jump in there.
7: Um, uh, if if we – I kind of lost the train of thought. If we cannot shut this down, we need to have an alternative in place. And that's why I'm, I'm wanting to know more about what I propose. Will it be a, a, an alternative that, that might take place of peace work? That's basically all I've got to say. If you guys all right. mind, well, talk
5: about
0: quick, I, yeah, I, first yeah, of all, yeah, with, with respect to paying on a peace rate and then supplementing it with a salary, uh, I think those are great ideas. Those kinds of plans actually do work and make a lot of sense. Uh, if they're done correctly, uh, Pat. If you want to, or if anybody wants to send whatever they want to me, uh, my website is uh, www.desai-law.com. That's D-E-S-A-I-L-A-W.com. You can get all my information. Just email me something, and I'll I'll try to get back to you. Uh, but with respect to what you can do, remember that the U.S. Capitol switchboard, and I'll give you the number uh 202 224 3121 that's 202 224 3121 as for your representative they'll they'll have you plug in a zip code or something and then tell him or her that that you want them to vote no to the denim amendment that's what we should do right now and we don't have a lot of time as as i mean a couple of people have made the point that the bills are going to be reconciled by November twentieth, 2015. Uh, We're doing all we can. We know that we have word from the Teamsters and the AFL-CIO. They both oppose the Denim Amendment, so that's good news. We've got a couple of key senators down here that we're working on, and we understand one of them at least uh, is going on record as saying that she's going to oppose the Denim Amendment. And we, we've, we've, But we've got to get in there and we've got to call a representative because if this thing goes through, I think it's going to be a disaster for truck drivers for a long, long time. You have no idea the kind of games the trucking industry is going to be able to play by saying, this. all this stuff is preempted, don't worry about it, there's no regulation here for anybody to look at. As soon as you take everybody out of the mix and say leave them to their own devices, what they're going to end up doing is piling more work and more work and more work on drivers they're going to make drivers take more responsibility longer routes for less money and everybody knows it's going to happen the only way to stop them from doing that is to stand up for your rights and say look if i a fair day's work deserves a fair day's pay that's all we're asking for i'm not asking for anybody to get rich all these lawsuits that i filed no one's walked away a millionaire not one these these are cases where we're talking about people getting paid for breaks and pre shift and post shift. But most of my cases end up in five or ten thousand dollars settlements for each driver, and that's good for the driver. And but you know if if we didn't have a device to go after them and a you know class action device with all the workers, then it would be very difficult. And most truck most truckers haven't done anything about it because who's going to really go to a lawyer over five or ten thousand dollars? Number one and number two. What kind of lawyer is going to take your case that needs five or ten thousand dollars? No one's going to take that case. No, no real lawyer is going to take that case, and you're going to get crushed by the trucking industry who has unlimited
4: resources. Well, I mean, I just think this proposal is just a slap in trucker's face, and this this representative Jess Denham, I, you know, I, man, he has no idea about. Uh, what truckers go through I, it just it's just really aggravating when i got when i got involved in this denim amendment thanks to you ashish but hey let me grab um let's go to tennessee here real quick here uh area code 901 tennessee welcome to the show
8: good evening uh this is jerry fritz hey uh, jerry gee good evening folks uh, uh gee i've been in the business for like 50 years And I'm third generation. I was born into it. And I want to call to the attention of the listening audience. And I've always been fairly active. In fact, I'm a retired Teamster. And by the way, I only like 50-50 what the Teamsters did. So I've always been kind of in between, if you will. But this is the most egregious,
3: dangerous
8: uh, act that's about to affront and affect Truck drivers and their families, and the 50 years or more, and the old timers that I knew.
5: One of Amen, the problems Jerry.
8: Is, and this needs mm-hmm. to be taken seriously. I would say to drivers now, and this is not being melodramatic at all, because see, in the years that I've been in the business, I know who these skunks are that took over the business after deregulation. They now think that they're trucking royalty. You know, the Mm -hmm. aristocracy of trucking. They're the old skunks of the business. They're sociopaths. Corporate sociopaths is what they are. They don't give a rat's behind about any driver, any motors, or anyone else except them. And when the drivers, and I'm not saying now if, when you drivers call in, first of all, all your other battles and disputes with fmca and all these other things push them off the table they are nowhere near as critical as what's about to happen here That's now, right. Gene, one of the problems one of the problems that you're probably not aware of when i started in 1966 full time i worked for a company called charter bulk it was non union We got paid 15 minutes to do our dispatch and our paperwork, 15 minutes to do our pre-trip. If we had to hook up, we got 15. You got paid for every little piece of work you did, and that was non-union. Now, since deregulation, they brought so many new people into the business, they don't know what they got into. They were lured into it, number one. Some of the things that you're talking about right now are so abstract in their minds Paid for your break, paid for this, paid for that. In their whole life, many, many of them could never even contemplate that you should be paid for all number one
2: they're brainwashed is what it is i mean i could see some of the comments even on facebook say you know like like they they just don't get it but they don't understand the danger if this goes through and it won't go through because i'll tell you why jerry why it won't go through and ashish i'll tell you because when we did our national call-in day uh and of course you know there was obviously plenty other people supporting that too but uh when we did the national call-in day for jason's law no one thought Jason's Law was going to go through. And uh, Hope Rivenberg, the, the widow of Jason, was totally relentless on that, um, you know, lobbying and everything. But it did go through. So this is going to be killed.
8: <laughs> and here's what I'd like to point out. And I have these numbers. Pat will tell you that. And the boss here, i got to get it to you folks someday. This is the Industry Zone study. It was done by the Trans... Truckload Carriers Association, under the leadership of Lana Bates, Martin Lab and Associates, did this study but back about the year 1999 and 2000, where they polled 50 of the top truckload carriers, something like that. They found out that the average driver was spending about 50 mm-hmm. hours a week in the loading mm-hmm. and unloading process.
3: Mm-hmm. Now,
8: with the 34 hour restart that we even have now, you can be legally driving 80, 80 something hours. Then there's the other 40 hours under 395.2 Dakota Federal Regulations. All that loading and unloading time is supposed to be line four, but we don't log it. Now, in my day, my first half of the business, we didn't think twice about logging all that time because we got paid for it. It was easy. No one even questioned it. That's all gone. But a fourth grader could take that 40 hours that the Truck Load Carriers Association identified and even used it as leverage for the next year or two in the press against the shippers, so to say. We're talking 120 hour work weeks. Come on, there's only 168 hours a week, and I hear drivers calling in every day on Sirius Radio saying, "Oh, I need more flexibility. I need more hours." There are no more hours. No, no,
0: you need to be paid for the hours that you work. And look, here, here's right. exactly you hit exactly on on the head. Now, what happens is. The trucking companies know that there are regulations. You can't drive for more than 11 hours and you can't work more than 14. Everybody knows those limits. Everybody knows that that's what's out there. What the trucking industry does is it, it also understands that it wants to really work these truckers. So it incentivizes them not to put everything down on their driver locks, right? Because you'll eat up your hours. So drivers don't put pre-shift and post-shift. They'll run out of time. And the reality is, is that, they will then come back, and if there are any problems, guess who gets blamed for anything? It's the driver. Oh yeah, of course. The company does The company comes back and pretends like it's Vinnie Barbarino. I, what? Where? When? Who? This, I don't know. I, what are you talking about? We have no idea. Drivers <laughs> were doing this. I didn't know. <coughs> Boy, we're going to have to right. fire this guy soon. And there's no loyalty going the other way. Uh, I thought that was a great call because he's exactly right. 1980. Congress deregulated the trucking industry. It passed what's called the Motor Carrier Act. Now, the Motor Carrier Act of 1980, what it did was basically everybody got overtime. But now if you drive a truck, a lot of truckers, they don't get overtime now anymore. So they got rid of that. So that – you know, when you sit back and think of all the things that normal workers, workers who don't work nearly as hard as truck drivers – and by the way, this Jeff Denham. I would challenge him to get in a truck with one of you guys – for a week or a day and let's see if he can do that job
2: did you so see, see the video that's exactly what um er, ernie uh said to him at the end of the video i don't know if you got to see the video it, it was put up <laughs> no, less than a day that's ago right. that's yeah right. that's exactly I mean, what he, he challenged ought to him yeah
0: he, he oughta. and and you know a lot of drivers even load and unload their own own trucks which i found remarkable and these guys are doing all kinds of heavy lifting hard work The least you could do is give them a rest break and a meal break and then pay them for the time that they're working. I just don't understand it. No one, by the way, is saying that we're trying to get, you know, every truck driver gets $300,000 a year. No one's saying that. All we're saying is pay these people for the work they're doing. Uh, I I haven't heard a good argument for why they should get an exemption and nobody else on earth gets one.
4: Well, and this is a big one of the biggest problems. I mean, Representative Jeff Denham, the, the general public, people really have no idea what the professional trucker does. They have no idea. Donna, you remember when we had our first um, first convention, and we had people from Pilot Travel Center. We had all these people that was in the in the game of the industry. And that, what did they say when they came up to us afterwards? I had no i cl- I had no clue truckers went through all this.
2: Oh yeah, they were they were just amazed. Um, we we had a a great group of speakers that pretty much educated them. Um, one of them was, um, you know, an, an attorney like yourself, uh, Paul Taylor, over at Chuckers Justice mm-hmm. Center, and he just laid it out there, just like you are. I mean, he held what? nothing back.
1: And this, and, is, and a, I this is a this. A- I've sat in these depositions
0: and I've heard these truck drivers describe their regular day and it makes my head spit. I said, how do yeah. you, when do you sleep? When do you rest? When do you? And I've had truck drivers that were so frazzled. They noticed depositions after these guys did a whole day's run. I've seen people that were just frazzled with very little sleep. One guy came to a deposition because they wouldn't change it, uh, had to park his truck outside and came up and he had slept in the, the truck the night before Came up and was just completely frazzled, and here he is the industry is grilling him for eight hours at a deposition about what he does. And when he finished, I was like, "I, how the heck are you still standing here?" He goes, "Oh, I got another route, I got another shipment, I got to get back. I got, I got a, I got a night shipment, I got to take out." Uh,
4: you know, yeah. they
0: they really do abuse truckers, and and I can't believe that just that they won't pay him for their for their work.
4: Yeah, and this abuse has been going on for just for so long and this was the main thrust behind when I launched uh, truth about trucking back in 2000 because nobody was really talking about it and 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 it, it 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 is abusive and it's been going on for years and I've always said truckers truckers are one of the few people that have so much stamina you can't you you just have no idea what kind of stamina these guys and gals have out there just like you've seen with that guy with no sleep and but this if this de- if this denim amendment goes through is it's just going to make it
2: hopeless. That's the yeah, word. <laughs> it's
4: just going to make it it it's just unbelievable and now we have until November 20th basically uh that's why we we have you here Sheesh we're just trying to get the word out and I know you said to call the US Capitol switchboard at 202 but besides your representative what other elected officials uh, should be contacted, if any, to express disapproval of the denim Amendment? Do you have any idea on that? Well,
0: no, no other representative right now. It's way too late for any of that. We're we're we're, okay. we're literally at the two-yard line. Marshawn Lynch has the ball, and we we got to have everybody on the field zeroed in to tackle this guy before he gets to the end zone. And we don't do it, they're scoring a touchdown. Because we're in the reconciliation phase. This thing is almost a done deal. It's already passed. Yeah. What happens is is this denim Amendment is just snuck in at the very end. And if people don't understand that this is a big, major, substantive amendment, boom, you're done. You're history. Too late, too bad, so so sad. It doesn't matter who you call after that. You can cry to your dad if you want. It doesn't matter. So right now is the time you got to call, get your representative, and say no to the denim Amendment. It means that Truck drivers will not get paid compensation they deserve. Is wage theft? They are stealing from the truck drivers. It is that simple. No need to get into interstate commerce preemption, F quad A deregulation, California crazy people in New York. No need to get into any of that. All you have to do is say truck drivers will earn a lot less, and it's going to make it basically impossible for truck drivers now to negotiate with these guys because they're going to say the piece rate compensation is good enough. That's all you need. And when they come in there and right. say, well, how about a little more for this work or that work or this work? You know, we, you're making our people do. What if they come in tomorrow and say, hey, it's part of your job. Here's what we're going to have you do. We're going to have you uh, – everybody has to work an hour of dispatch as part of your comp- – and we're not going to pay anything more for that. Or you've got you to fill out extra manifests, or you've got to do the manager's job or the supervisor's job or uh, any number of things that can come in there. They can add tasks at, at will and those tasks are basically subsumed within the compensation you have. And so that's not fair. You're not you shouldn't be allowed to do that.
4: And and as long as that professional CDL trucker pulling that big rig anywhere they need to go, as long as he or she if if it works out that they're making 7 and a quarter an hour, then hey, everything's rosy. I mean that that's what that's what gets me. I mean I, that's why I say this is just a slap in the face to to these professional drivers. I mean if they are to to operate that rig in the safety that they do, yeah. to do what they do, the lifestyle they live, living in a truck, everything they go through, the sacrifices that these men and women do to keep America moving, and they're saying this guy wants to say hey you're only worth minimum wage. That's you, it. Might
0: as well work, you might as well work a jack in a box so that's how they're paying you. And that's why this whole averaging is so insidious and horrible. When that language in that Denver amendment, when when they came in there and they said, look, as long as we pay a piece rate compensation, no additional or separate compensation is required as long as – and the, the, the language they use is a total sum of wages when you divide it by the total number of hours – if that equals at least minimum wage, then you're A-OK. It doesn't matter how many extra tasks they make you do. I mean, that,
2: but but that, get that this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're not even calculating the extra 50 hours. If they did the whole well, 50 hours, 100 they're just doing it by what's legally put on the logbook.
0: Well, yeah, of course. Well, then you'd violate hours of service regulations, and then the employer would get in all kinds of trouble if they admitted that that happened.
2: But they did admit it in the TCA uh, – yeah. uh, I don't know if Jerry is still on the line, mm-hmm. but when they did that uh, – um, I don't know if it was a report or what it was. They themselves yeah. admitted that. You, I mean would that in itself.
0: When you get into a lawsuit with any one of these specific people, they'll deny it to the nth degree. And they'll say, look, if these truck drivers are working on their own, I I don't know. But they should be able to finish this job in 11 hours. And if they take more than that, well, that's because they're slow, lazy, unproductive, and probably should be fired. That's what happens to that guy.
2: Well, it's just uh, just amazing.
4: Now, what's your your website again, Ashish? And and I, 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 I I might have missed it, but now is there information about the Denim Amendment on your website? There's no information about the denim Amendment. There's lots of stuff okay. about
0: cases that I filed with, against truckers, lots of published decisions that I've gotten regarding this piece rate compensation. Uh, McLean was one of the food uh, – McLean Food Service out here in California right. was one of the first to go down. That was my case, Cardenas versus McLean. I represented a plaintiffs in that in that class action. We ended up settling that case for $5.5 million. Each trucker, I think, got on average of ten or $15,000 each. And it was one of the first cases to say that if you use this piece rate compensation, you have to pay extra. Uh, you have to pay extra compensation for those tasks that are not directly related to the piece rate activity, i.e., when the wheels are not rolling, all the other stuff that they do, you got to provide separate compensation for that. And we ended up winning that case. A couple of other appellate cases came out after that, and then they really got worried. That's when they started arguing all this F quad A preemption. They said that, hey, states shouldn't be regulating truck drivers anyway. After all, we go across state lines, don't we? And all of that kind of stuff. Uh they didn't they didn't win on that argument. They actually they beat me in in, in district court on that argument. We went to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, there was another case pending there. Another good friend of mine was litigating that case. They ended up winning that case in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which that's when that's when the S hit the fan, and they had to run. They tried to go to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court said no uh, a few months back. So now they're out of options, and they're out of gas. So what they've done now is they've gone to Congress, and they've got this guy, Jeff Denham, who, by the way, is from Trulock, California, which people don't know where that is. It's basically BFE California, where there's a lot of trucking companies and I bet you a lot of the people that are over there telling him what to do are going to be these large trucking companies that are all headquartered there because they have cheap land because out in the middle of nowhere because that, that's where all the warehouses are for all these uh, these these trucking companies out here in California. They've gotten a hold of this guy, and who knows what they've done, but they've got him to slip in this amendment to insulate them from any more of these kinds of cases.
1: Yeah, And, by the way, well, that
0: unbelievable. Massive. So once it happens, it, it demolishes every case that's out there.
2: Well, for everybody listening out there, and I, I, you're probably with your mouths open, but if you want to know more about the Denim Amendment, we have it on the Ask the Trucker blog that everybody's familiar with. It's on our trucking social media website on the video that uh, Ernie made. Um, it's, it's heading for 1,000 views already. It's just been posted not too long ago. Uh, you can find everything about the Denim Amendment on all our Facebook pages, Truth About Trucking, Ask the Trucker, and so forth. Uh, all our Twitter accounts, uh, our LinkedIn account, our Google Plus account. So, um, And then we're continuing the social media blast um, all week to get it to as many uh, people as possible with the call to action uh, to call the... Um, the national line which is 202-224-3121 and you call your uh your 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 legislature your representative and they'll mm-hmm. connect you and you just tell the staffer that you say no to the uh, denim amendment and once these lines are flooded and uh, according to the response so far on facebook Everybody's saying that they're they're calling. One thing I do wanna say, um, and we say this even during the Jason's Law call in, when you call, you know, you need to be very polite. Just uh say your piece, you know.
4: Be professional.
2: Be very professional because it's people who act professional who are taken seriously. And um I can't stress that enough, uh when you do call up. You can you can be passionate about what you believe. But you still, you know, don't let your emotions um, get the best of you. And I know that happens sometimes. It's easier said than done, but you really do. If you really truly want this to go, uh, to to be uh, striked from it, you ha- you do have to be professional. Well, I'll tell you
4: what, they better, they better, Ashish, they better do something because November twentieth is right around the corner. And I tell you, I appreciate you uh, uh, alerting us to this because, uh, man, I – I was reading over this thing and I just I just couldn't believe it. It's like okay, the industry, you know, we <clears throat> this stuff has been going on for so long. You almost just don't even pay attention to it anymore. But this thing, this would be devastating. This this is just uh, I I just can't get over it. So we appreciate you uh, alerting us to this. No no
0: problem at all. i I'm, I'm glad to do it. And, and the way it came up where, where I was concerned is that you know uh, these things are so. Uh, hidden that not even lawyers know what's going on unless you're directly it's happening to you in a case and i have defense lawyers who somehow know about these things before i do Uh, i'm pretty sure i know how but nonetheless they come up and tell me well you know we've got this thing pending and your case is going to be wiped out and i have to go say what's going on here and lo and behold you see some kind of a provision like this the least you could do is debate it on the Senate floor and talk about whether it's good for the industry or whether it's bad for the industry and have a dialogue about it. But this is very sneaky. I mean, this is par for the course for the trucking industry, but God, I mean, couldn't you at least just be out in the open? Let's talk about it. If you want to pay truck drivers less, if you think they're making too much, if you think that they shouldn't get paid for all the work they do because they got enough already, Make your argument. Make your pitch. Tell me about how it's going to bankrupt your company. Tell me about how you're not going to be able to compete in the industry anymore. Let's make your arguments and let let's have a, a rational debate and see where the chips fall.
4: Uh, right. you know, Yeah. But oh no, that's yeah. I tell you, they they just sli- slipped it in during the dark when everybody was sleeping. But it. But they, hey. They got caught, so we're going to do our best to try to get the information out there and help the best we can. So what's your website website again, Ashish? It is www.desai,
0: which is my last name, d-e-s-a-i-law.com.
2: Okay, I have it posted on the uh, channel, on the Blog Talk Radio uh, show (laughs) channel, and it's on our Facebook page also. And we just posted if um, anybody wants to get a uh, a hold of you, um, th- just send them to your website. Also, Pat that called in; he wanted you to look at his uh, website. I think you'll find it very interesting. He has a great okay. idea, right. and he is um, www dot uh, united dot org, and okay, uh, you'll look. find his yeah. He's he's got some uh, great yeah, thing. He man. was in some of our conversations with the. Um, Wage shows that we had, and by the way, if it's not bad enough about this amendment, drivers haven't had a pay raise in over twenty years. So, just that's we'll just that. you know the icing on <laughs> the cake. No. And, and I wonder hey, to uh, corporate profits in, during that time. Well, I'm sure they got their raise.
4: <laughs> exactly. Well, hey Ashish, we appreciate you spending some time with us Saturday evening and uh, enlightening us on this denim amendment. We'll uh. Stay in touch and follow it, and uh, we'll do what we can on this end, and keep in touch and let us know if there's anything we can do for you.
0: Thank you, Alan and Donna, and thank you guys for having the show. I know that uh, a lot of my clients appreciate it. I appreciate it. You guys are doing a great, great, fantastic job, and I'm going to
4: be a regular listener from here on out. You can believe that.
2: Oh, thanks so much.
4: (laughs) All right, well, hey, we appreciate it again. Have a great evening, and Donna, do you have any announcements for tonight?
2: Well, no, I just want to let everybody know, I mean, I don't want to beat this dead horse, but you really only have until the 19th to make this call, and, you know, just 202-224-3121. Like I said, we're having uh, the blast just started, and it's already getting a tremendous response. People have already been calling and uh we'll, it'll be going on through next week uh the blog post will be going up uh Monday with the call to action with all the numbers and uh and we'll just continue this uh up until thursday friday the they're gonna is when they run out of funding, so you know there's like three days to do this i mean just just like uh Mr. Desai said, we're at the two yard line this needs to be done immediately. So put that number in your phone on speed dial two oh two 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 four three one two one and let's get this thing done.
4: All right. Sounds good. Hey, good show. Appreciate James Lamb of the SBTC and attorney of Sheep Desai of Desai Law Firm being on the show this evening. We appreciate it. Hope everyone have a good weekend. Uh have anything anything planned show next next week, Donna?
2: Uh, well, we're working on yeah, we're working on a health show on Thursday, okay, and an open forum uh, on Saturday. So, uh, and the topics are are just coming in right now. We'll have to discuss them. One of them for sure is going to be CSA, and those uh, hidden uh, hidden scores on CSA, and uh, Tim Taylor over at Network FOB. And if he's listening, I'm going to try to get Richard Wilson uh, to come out of hibernation on that show.
4: (laughs) All right, so we'll try to get one more in before the Thanksgiving holiday. Switchboard or the uh, phone lines were full. Hey, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Thank you very much. Have a great evening, everyone. We'll catch you next time on
3: Ask the Trucker Live. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.